Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On today's episode, Disney makes a gigantic decision. What's in a Star Wars poster? The debate over Blade Runner 2049. A week six recap in the NFL. And is physical media still worth having? Plus, we have the pending awfulness of Geostorm and a whole lot more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back for another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford once again from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast. And I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend behind Rob McCallum Films and robmccallumfilms.com, a great part of Tiny Titan Studios and an all-around awesome guy. It's Rob McCallum. It's me. Thank you, my friend. We've got a lot of great topics to, to delve into, so... Take her away, my friend. First, Disney Animation has canceled their upcoming take on Jack and the Beanstalk called Gigantic. Gerald, are you familiar with this film? I only read a little bit about it because obviously it didn't, and that's probably why it didn't uh, you know, meet the standards of what Disney was looking for. I don't think it, it was really on the radar of a lot of people. And the last Jack and the Beanstalk fairing, that live action... Yeah, the one with Ian McGregor and all that, that didn't fare so well, and that had a big, hefty budget behind it. So I think maybe Disney didn't feel any warmth from the general audience out there, and I think that's maybe why they pulled the plug early. And kudos for them for for being able to recognize these things before they started to really snowball. Well, before I attempted to go down the rail of attacking Disney for not pulling the plug on so many other properties of theirs and pulling the plug on this one... You would think with their animation division and the chops and the resources and the people they have involved with that, they'd find a way to make that work and just keep it in in the development cycle, but it is completely done, shelved, and pulled out of active development altogether. The Disney spin on Gigantic was that it was going to be a giant princess of sorts that was the giant instead of grizzly old ogre-looking guy, uh, and she meets a small Jack. So there's a bit of a romance angle there, kind of like the way that Tangled played out. But instead of Rapunzel, you get uh, this giant girl at the top of the beanstalk that Jack climbs. I think the premise is interesting enough. I think Disney, with uh, the last few animation successes, Tangled and Frozen, could have pulled something out there. I thought that would have been a nice third entry. But it got me thinking, when is the last time we've heard like a major project of this level really get shelved and canceled? I can't think of anything that high profile, even animated films that take five years usually 
usually when they announce the logo and then have a press conference as they did at one of the D23s, I don't recall too much getting shelved except for maybe like a Tron sequel. And I think that even that development even got pushed towards the Tron animated series. So, hmm, I don't know. It's hard, it's, it's hard for Disney. I know there's been some other projects that have been shelved, even as come to early parts of shooting where where projects have been shelved or, or changed or completely altered in some form or fashion. Even sometimes on rare occasions where you see it stop and completely rebooted in a different fashion. But when it comes to Disney animation, you're right. It's just a machine as far as usually from point A from point to point Z. Now, Disney animation has not had the success of Pixar, notwithstanding Frozen. Tangled was something that, if you look at the overall numbers box office-wise, did okay, but it really didn't garner the huge numbers anywhere near what Frozen did. It, it, but it won an Academy Award as well. And let's yeah. not forget Bolt. Let's, let's not forget Bolt, but, uh, you know, uh-huh. So, uh, but they've never, clearly not been able to score as many hits with their animation series as of this century well, than, Moana, than what Moana. Pixar has done. Moana was pretty huge. Moana? Yeah, Moana, whatever. They don't seem to have the same leash for this as Pixar does as far as what they can do and where, well, what they can Well, I don't know. Like, should we start picking apart Pixar and Cars 3 and Planes and their sequelitis that they're going through? Because they haven't had the greatest track record either. The Good Dinosaur was a disappointment at the yeah. box office. The Incredibles 2 is the only kind of high point on, on the future spectrum for me in terms of what they might roll out. Oh, I'm hopeful uh, for Coco. I will tell you, Coco, to me... Uh, no. Well, uh, no. you may not be feeling it, but I, I am. Uh, as someone who, who you know, hopes for the best as far as a positive representation of the Hispanic culture within the movie. It I, feels I like a knockoff of The Book of the Dead, which was pretty successful at the box office already. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, you're. I, I don't know why that, that they seem to go... Like you said, it seemed like a nice little... Te- uh, third piece in that triple crown as far as the solid tangled obviously the extremely well performing frozen and then hopefully following up with something like this but maybe they want to go into a different direction i'm not sure again it's always about what can they do afterwards frozen has been able to be you know obviously been able to to do very well after afterwards with an afterlife of merchandising and also as well a tv show on the disney channel uh, frozen you know has continued to garner a lot of attention and a frozen 2 hopefully will not be too far behind for a lot of kids while they can still sing <laughs> I'm so glad game. you added for a lot of kids well for the lot for a lot of kids i know my girls still they're at the age where they still could enjoy it but if you get them any older they probably would lose their focus and attention on on frozen 2 if it should come out too far down the line because you you want to make sure you still capture that audience that enjoyed and embraced the that frozen you never know what you're going to get if you try to introduce a new audience to to something that was very beloved by a certain generation Gerald, let it go let it go Oh my gosh! Yeah, I just I went that far. Don't tell me you don't. No, I I, I only if you knew him first. Uh huh. Well, I just sang some. There you go. There, there you go. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, keeping with the animated theme, Batman the animated series is finally getting released on Blu-ray. Better late than never. In 2018, 
this seemed to get a little bit of buzz today and when I read the news and people were talking about it in the office and it's nice that a series like this which has such a cult following and holds a really high place among Batman fans in terms of iterations of the Cape Crusader. It reminded me though of the early 2000s when seemingly every kind of show was you know, spellbound on hitting DVD release. Every series from television that you could imagine was suddenly coming out with DVD box sets. The Simpsons was flooding the market as fast as they could every six months with season one or season two, part one, and and so on and so forth. Family Ties, Family Ties, Greatest South Park, like every single television show you could think of was hitting DVD, including the Batman the Animated Series, which is streaming for free on Amazon Prime right now, I believe. So if you want to check out the animated series, or you can check it out. There's 85 episodes, so I don't think it it will include the new adventures of Batman and Robin, or of course any of the Justice League stuff, which is a continuation of that story, or Batman Beyond, also a continuation. But is there any series that you think that needs to be released uh, that hasn't been? And are we past the point of a physical media release? No, we're not the past the point of a physical media re- release because it still at an affordable price a lot of people like and enjoy. I think once 4K Blu-ray comes to fruition as far as full-blown, full blast out there, now that starts to get pricey because they're selling a lot of 4K Blu-rays around 20, 25 a pop. And that's that gets out of the realm of, of what most people like to pay. But if it still stays with DVDs around seven to 10, Blu-rays around 10 to 15, those ranges people are willing to go ahead and fork over the extra money and actually put into it because they like what the usually what those Blu-rays and DVDs will hold as far as extra features, bonus features. But if you start charging them twenty-five dollars just to give them four K, I'm not sure. That's that's where it gets the point to where it's it's probably not in the best interest of. of maybe keeping it on a physical format if it, if it has to be that much spending. Well, there's been no special features or extras released whatsoever. Nothing announced in terms of the Batman animated series on Blu-ray. So it could just be bare bones, just 85 episodes. And given that there's 85 episodes, which, you know, rings in close to 30 hours of content, you're going to probably be paying 50 to 60 bucks for it. On Blu-ray, I can't imagine it being less than fifty, forty-nine. I I can't uh, see it either, and that's going to be a problem for only the you know for everyone outside the hardcore collectors fans. It is a great series, and what I like best about the Batman the Animated Series is how well thought out these storylines are. How how much care went into it, the voice acting behind it, the quality of the voice acting. And, and just, just the sheer quality that went into that series as opposed to many other series of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s that really have not, I don't know, met up to par with, with what that series was all about. Well, I, I'm, I'm very eager for it. And I like you as a collector. I love the physical releases. I love Blu-ray still. What's going to sell me is the extra features probably on this, given that I can stream it anytime, given that I have it on DVD already. As much as I want that Blu-ray quality, like the DVDs are pretty good considering it aired in 480p. Like, how much better is it going to get? And the and the thing with animation, sometimes when it's transferred to Blu-ray, the quality seems lesser because you can see the cells in motion, you can see the colors don't match, it doesn't blend. Sometimes you need that fuzzy 480p 
look to blend things together because that's what the the series creators were working with when they were color timing and putting it together and putting it through production. So this is almost cheating a little bit, but I'm definitely going to be on, on the lookout for this series. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, first thing I said when I came out of watching Blade Runner 2049 is I can't wait until I get a quality Blu-ray or 4K Blu-ray of this film because it's going to be something I want to keep and watch and go back to many times in the future because of how beautiful the the, the, the film is and how well it was shot. So, uh, And how great it sounded as well. So, the, I mean, for me, a physical release still means something as far as top quality films you want to experience in the best fashion possible. Well, I saw some of Josh's comments on Blade Runner 2049 on Facebook, so I have an idea of that, and I encourage all our listeners to make sure they seek out the segments where you and him go back and forth and discuss it, whether it's on this show or, or an upcoming one. They, they can't miss it. Well, I will tell you this, that I do have a review up already on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And I also did want to tell everyone out there that, you know, I praise the film as being the film of the year so far to this point. Uh, it is truly an incredible experience. Could it be a little bit shorter? I think it could be. It would make it even a tighter, more awesome film. But still, 90% of it was truly far and away the best experience I've had watching a film this year by far. Josh, who doesn't love the original as much as I do, loved this film even more than I did. And he actually was, a quote on Facebook, excuse me, saying that this was close to a perfect film for him. So, I mean... Well, there you go. I mean, you guys are truly, truly in the minority, apparently, in terms of reception of this film. Because it is not getting favorable reviews out there. Are you sure? means. I'm I'm seeing quite the opposite. I'm seeing I'm seeing some of the people that do not like it that are looking uh, at box office returns that are saying it is not good. That I'm, it is I'm way I'm, I'm too seeing, long. I'm, I haven't I'm seen otherwise. I don't know the verdict. I do not really like the first film. I will see this for the visuals alone. I don't know. I disagree with you because I see all over trending on Twitter, Facebook. I see reviews all over the place from five stars, five stars, five stars. Yahoo, yeah, out of 100 IGN, stars. Uh, I mean, five out of 100. No, five stars, five stars out of five stars. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, it's got a, it's got a, a, a very, very strong rating on it both. It must Medicare be that Canadian-American conversion that, that I'm seeing here. That, that something's getting lost. I, I, I sadly system. disagree with you on that one. I haven't I'm seen seeing. it, so I, I have nothing against it. I have no dog in this race uh, at all. I'm against. just telling you that my social I'm media I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Just tell them. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm just. I, I don't, I don't want to get into it. I'm going to forward all my <laughs> video over to you as far as everybody is saying, because that's, I think that's a little petty, but I'm just telling you honestly that I'm seeing a lot of great things from the film. Yes. I'm seeing some, it's a little bit too long. <laughs> You're going on the, Blade Runner 2049 but, fan sites, but for the, no, I'm not, I'm going on a regular 20. <laughs> you just have to just go to, just go to Twitter and type type in Blade Runner 2049 and you'll just hashtag super fan. No, no hashtag anything. No, I think you just want to. I think you just want to hate on the film because you want to hate on the film. But I'm no, telling you, I'm what, actually just having fun getting you going and getting your gears and, grinding and, here. That's that's what I'm having fun you're with. Not getting me going in the least. I can just. Okay. I got proof. <laughs> All I know, I could I could show you two dozen reviews right now. At the top there. I'm glad I haven't got you going, but you've got two dozen reviews ready to go. I could I could send them right over. Anyways, <laughs> including my own. 
Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys like the movie. I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's good or not. I'd really say see it in IMAX, but uh, it's probably going to be off IMAX theaters pretty quickly because of Geostorm and some other... Yeah, what is that bundle of crap I saw advertised, by the way? Geostorm? Yeah, that's... My goodness. That's called a cash grab. So, you know, that's... What a pile of dog poop that looks like. But they they make money. Like, I heard somebody today on the bus saying, oh, I'm so excited for Geostorm. I'm like... Tell me that's not a movie. That is like, oh, like even just hearing people talk about it like makes me queasy. That Anyways. is Gerard Butler going for a paycheck. That's all it is. It, it looks like another big blockbuster action film where he gets to be the hero of the day. So good for him. Edge of Tomorrow, uh, you know, San Andreas, just another disaster film. Is Edge of Tomorrow? I thought that was the Tom Cruise one. No, I, well, not uh, Day After Tomorrow. Day After Tomorrow. I'm sorry. There you go. Yes, geez. You, you've watched too many Blade Runners. You're a replicant at this point. Rob McCallum and I will be back for another great pop culture conversation. Then later, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Painter Podcast checks in with a recap of week six in the NFL. But first, it's another hit from Hyperschmidt. You can catch all their great songs today on their YouTube channel, like this one. The song is called After All. And this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Here at the start, where you are, oh, I would not change a thing. You are dear, you are flawless, will you fix my broken wing? On a ledge, can you see what you know you're looking for? I am sure I've forgotten. Once again, I lost my goal. In my problems, I feel small. It's the climb of a life. It's a fight, and I know we're gonna fall. Bloody knees, broken wings, and it's worth it. It's the climb of a life. It's a fight, and I know we're gonna fall. Bloody knees, broken wings, and it's worth it after all. We start again. Can I see? I give it to you. I give it to you.
dark, we all are blind All this time it wasn't fair So much light that wasn't there It's the climb of a life Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. Okay, moving on to definitely some maybe good movie territory, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Let's talk The Last Jedi posters. Now, we'll go theatrical version first, and we can discuss the IMAX poster after. First theatrical poster. There's a lot of floating heads here. This Always. Is, this has been part of the, the Star Wars tra- tradition of marketing. Has it run its course? How important is this for continuity, given how bastardized this you know triangular formation of characters is for so many other series that pilfer it? For something like this, you know, it's just all about the actors and, and stroking some egos on that one. Because all it really has to say is this. And the Last Jedi, and that's all we, you know, most of us pointing to your Star Wars shirt for everybody listening. Pointing to my Star Wars shirt and the Last Jedi, right there, just the logo that will get people in the door right now because Star Wars as a franchise is at the point. I agree, hundred percent agree. So if that's the case, then why do we need the floating heads? Uh, Like I said, it's just stroking the the. But do we need the floating heads? No. This is this is what I'm saying. Like, there's a continuity in Star Wars. Uh, ever since the special editions, you know, you could you could say that we've had these floating head triangular formations on all the posters, and it's continued from episode seven and now episode eight. I think Rogue One was the same. It goes back further, you know, to the to the prequels. Yeah, well, that's why I said starting with the special editions in '97 and whatnot, and then and then the prequels and and so forth, but. If any series can break new ground on, on a new marketing strategy and campaign, surely it's Star Wars to try something a little bit different. If they can just put the logo on there in the title, that should be enough. Like, why wouldn't they experiment a little bit more? I like the teaser that they did, the teaser poster with Ray, and it's kind of pulled back with Luke and Kylo Ren, cut between the energy of, of, of the lightsaber. I thought that was really smart. I was hoping that would be the final one. It's subtle, it's graphic, it's different. Then came the poster that everybody was expecting. Snooze fast. 
I get it if you've got enough wall space to have them all around, it's going to look similar, but snooze fast, no offense, Jay. Yeah, so just what I was going to say. I was gonna, <laughs> maybe, like, it's on Star Wars' Facebook site for no less than a minute. Jay has it already, like, shared, you know, right yeah, of there. Course. But, yeah, and then, interestingly enough, the IMAX poster for The Last Jedi got released, and that was met with some interesting snickering and huh and some questionable looks. This is something that is a, a very painterly approach. Looks like an, an oil canvas, maybe acrylic. And With it's her uh, in the distance. Yeah, her in the distance and Luke looking on, like a little bit over Luke's shoulder on, uh, I think it's the Isle of Man is where they filmed, this Jedi temple outpost island thing. And uh, it looks like a Jurassic, drastic, drastic, drastic departure from anything we've ever seen in a Star Wars poster. thought you were going to say Jurassic Park look. No, drastic, not Jurassic. It's a Jurassic, drastic departure. There's a tongue twister for you. I like that other one, Redder, too. The IMAX poster, uh, it looks, like you said, it's much more art-worthy. Yeah, than... I don't know that it fits. I, I prefer the teaser to all of them, and then the, the official theatrical release second, which isn't a bad poster. The composition is nice, and I really like the red and the white and the black and how it blends together. But yeah, not uh, not feeling that IMAX one, unfortunately. Really, really, I thought it was much nicer than the than the bobbing heads, you know, because like you said, we see the 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 heads all the time. Yeah, I don't know. It it just it didn't like I I appreciate that they went for that different kind of look. I just don't think they uh, they nailed it for me. But you know, art is in the eye of the holder. All right. Well, there you have it. That's again the pop culture cosmos. Pop culture cosmos. Talk Disney canceling Gigantic, their animated take on Jack and the Beanstalk, Batman the Animated Series, hitting Blu-ray, Last Jedi posters across the board. Uh, Let us know your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, and of course anywhere else that you see us getting posted. Absolutely. Pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com, pop culture cosmos on Twitter, pop culture cosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter. Rob, as always, it's been a pleasure and getting ready to cook up some more pop culture topics for next time on the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. We're back with the program. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And I just want to let everyone know that if you are downloading this or streaming this off of one of our numerous, numerous channels, you are going to get as a bonus episode today our preview of the NBA season. And as always, the man that's going to do it with me is on deck He is Anthony Barber, and we've got at least a half hour of 
great basketball talk. And that's coming up as a bonus podcast footage for you on our show if you download it. And also as well, if you stream it on one of our numerous options, including Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Ace Podcast Network, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, Gunna Geek, Cast Crunch, SocialPodcast.com, and of course our home site, PopCultureCosmos.wordpress.com. And speaking of downloading podcasts and streaming great podcasts indeed i'll tell you what there isn't much out there that's better than the show that our good friend has each and every tuesday and saturday he is the man of myth the legend among fantasy podcast gurus he is the curator of the fantasy football pater podcast he also runs the fantasy football pater podcast group site on facebook which you need to join so you can ask all those questions about your fantasy football league because we're right in the middle of the season and every single move is now more imperative than than and at any other time for those teams that really really want to make a push for the playoffs and of course his home site fantasy football pater podcast aka ffpater.com it's my good friend mr tyler baker what you? an intro. How are you, my friend? <laughs> you guys are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm doing well. We wanted to, we, well. That's one thing we wanted to focus on. We wanted to try and make ourselves available on as many platforms as possible. Sure. So anyone that likes all these different pro- platforms, that likes this platform or likes that platform, can actually get a chance to hear us as opposed to being pigeonholed into and reliant on one single podcast format so if you get a yeah. chance to listen to us on a mixed cloud or let's say a podcast.com or any of the others we just truly appreciate wherever you hear tyler baker of course so <laughs> big weekend in the nfl and i'll oh, tell you what boy. week six is is just that's one great thing about the nfl it's always newsworthy hmm. doesn't start off on a good note as the theme has been going on lately and it starts off bad for anybody who has Aaron Rodgers. As I do <laughs> in a couple of leagues. There were not that many quarterbacks that I thought were worth jumping up in higher rounds to get in uh, the drafts for this season. Aaron Rodgers was one of them. Uh, and man, if you have him on your team, you sure took a hit today. Because not only did he get hurt, but he got hurt early in that game and didn't do much for your fantasy team before he left. And it does look like he's going to be out for the season. Now, that is not confirmed, but it's pretty close to being confirmed. Looks like he has a broken collarbone. That's going to put him out for quite some time. So, Brent Hundley came in and uh, didn't look great. Maybe he'll look a little bit better having a little bit uh, better preparation for next week's game, but you're not going to be able to replace Aaron Rodgers. And the way that offense has been functioning has been through Aaron Rodgers and his ability to create more time with his ability in the pocket and, and with his legs, Hunley might have the athleticism to do that, but he just doesn't have that veteran prowess that Aaron Rodgers does. So, and it showed today, uh, but then again, it's always hard to gauge when you have someone coming off the bench uh i I like to see more with a week's worth of prep first before we you know anybody out there totally just shuts him out but i think that you know there could be some improvement there in the case of cleveland browns quarterbacks that's remains to be seen but yeah you know i'd like to give a shout out to cody kessler give him a shot because no one else seems to be doing it right now but he did a little something last year too 
Yeah, I, I, he's yeah. okay. He doesn't have the arm that Hogan or Kaiser does, but I will say this: he is very accurate with his passes. He's a very much a game manager, dink and dunk type quarterback. So he's very accurate. So he will at least reduce the number of interceptions. So if he ever gets a chance, keep an eye out for him. But that's just me. But you know, going back into uh, what's going on. There was a running back that a lot of people were kind of just, uh, well, he got traded, but don't expect much out of. Yeah. Not a surprise out of Adrian Peterson today, didn't we? He surprised. I encouraged my viewers, of course, to go after him, but temper expectations, especially starting out. He's been with the team for less than a week. And man, for as bad as that team has been run blocking, they actually opened up some holes today. Maybe that's what a guy like Adrian Peterson brings to the locker room losing David Johnson, I'm sure kind of took the confidence of that offensive line down a little bit, especially when they went and got Chris Johnson off the couch and, and, and brought him in to run the ball. Well, you bring a guy like Adrian Peterson in and it really fired them up. And so as bad as they've been for run blocking, they actually opened up some holes for him. And Adrian Peterson has that veteran vision. He can, he has really good vision and he can see things and he has enough of a burst that he can get through those holes. And you saw, you saw him running downfield a lot. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that puts a lot of people on notice <laughs> that maybe this Arizona offense is more dynamic now and is as Adrian Peterson gets more in tune with that offensive line and they get things going up, going in the running game, that's really going to open up things in the passing game for Carson Palmer as well. So this offense could, could be on the upswing. Well, I know there was two things that stuck out to me that Carson Palmer was leading the, not only the NFL, but he was actually at a pace that was exceeding anyone else ever as far as the number of pass attempts which tells me he was back on his heels a lot. And you and I had discussed previously how bad that line is. What was the change that caused not only for 38 points out there for the Arizona Cardinals, but such a great day for opening up holes for Adrian Peterson as well? I did see some of the highlights. It looked like Tampa Bay just didn't do a good job. And it was a little surprising because they got a couple of guys back on that defense, a couple of starters back, and I would have expected a much better performance. I am definitely going to go back and watch that game, watch it closely to see what they were doing that allowed Adrian Peterson to, to, to do what he did. Because even in the, even in the runs that I saw, he looked good. He didn't look great. You didn't see great speed. You did, you did see great vision and you expect that. But there was, like I said, enough of a burst there to take advantage of the holes. But it looked like that there were some pretty big holes that Tampa Bay was giving them. It sounds like indeed. I mean, Adrian Peterson's not a small individual, so it definitely <laughs> has to be some large holes that were created yeah. <laughs> in that defense. I will say there were other things that stood out as far as week six in the NFL, some great performances indeed. Le'Veon Bell, I think that was another name that's been bandied out, has a good, strong game today. But what also stood out to you as far as great things are concerned? And oh, just forgot to mention, this is Tyler Baker once again from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. You got to check out his show every Tuesday and Saturday on Apple Podcasts, Lipson, Player.fm, also as well, Overcast.fm, and uh, actually a couple more as well, as I just found out, if you look at 
ffpager.com. I checked it out the other day and I'm looking on the right hand side like, oh, there's even more, correct? <laughs> Stitcher, SoundCloud, is as many platforms as I've been able to get onto. And just like you said earlier, people use different mediums to get uh, to get their podcasts. And I sure don't don't want anybody to miss out on a great podcast, an opportunity to help better their fantasy team. So I, I get on as many of them as I can find. That's awesome indeed. And you got to check out his podcast and keep up with it to get the latest on fantasy football each and every week. But also as well, check out his fantasy football Pater Podcast group site on Facebook so you can ask those pertinent questions and make those lineup changes or discuss those pending trades that you have in your fantasy football league. What other changes or what other games stood out to you as far as maybe performances that stood out to you actually that really made fantasy football owners happy, but also showed a promise for future going forward? Well, I did notice in New England, you know, they have a bit of a muddled backfield there with James White, Mike Gillisley, Burkhead, and Deion Lewis. Now, Deion Lewis, I think, is the most talented running back they have, and he has barely touched the ball so far this year. Today, he did get 11 rushes, got 52 yards and a touchdown out of it. Now, I've heard it rumored. Now, if you try to anticipate what Belichick is doing, that is that is pure folly. But it has been speculated that the team has been saving Deion Lewis, trying to keep him fresh so that at the end of the year and going into the playoffs, he's going to be a bigger part of the game plan. So this could be an indication moving forward that they're going to get him a little bit more involved. Again, trying to guess the volume there in that running game is just going to be difficult. We did see a little bit of light out of Miami against an Atlanta team that they beat them. <laughs> I mean, can't, well, it can't. started off actually the same old story for Miami, but they came strong in that second half. They sure did. Well, something that they've done different in this game that they've done in previous games is they gave Jay Ajayi the ball 26 times. If you want to get this offense going, you have to give your best player the ball. And in previous games, he was getting 12 maybe 15 runs. Well, you can't really establish a rhythm like that. In this game, they did give him the ball 26 times. He pulled 130 yards out of that. He didn't score. But I'll tell you, if you're a Jay Ajayi owner, you like to see finally some return on that draft investment that you made on him. So that was encouraging to see. And like you said, Le'Veon Bell, he is really starting to drive that offense again. It took a little bit of time for that to happen, but it looks like that he's kind of the straw that, that uh, stirs the drink there. Now, we also had another quarterback injury in Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston went out with a shoulder injury. Um, Saw that. That was uh, very, very unfortunate. I've seen that a couple times, more than a couple times in the past three, four weeks where they just get rammed to the ground on that shoulder. Yeah. The x-ray showed no damage. He was warming up on the sideline, throwing balls, but he just he just wasn't quite there. So Ryan Fitzpatrick had to come in and finish the game for them. Almost pulled it out. But it's been reported that the injury is not serious. He is expecting to play. They are going to give him an MRI tomorrow, I guess, to check all the soft tissues around that shoulder to make sure that everything is okay. But even though he was knocked out of this game, it looks like that he is good to go. But uh, still, that's something to take a look at because those sure. shoulder injuries can be lingering correct they can and they're gonna get an mri tomorrow to find out exactly what's going on there so that they know how to proceed in practices next week tomorrow or, or uh next week uh in in, in the practices next week 
Finally, is there any other performances out there that were that were really good? One of the leading fantasy getters for me as far as overall MVP is a guy that I have, Mr. <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, well, right now they're a little light at running back, but even when all those running backs are healthy, I think they're still light at running back. Uh, Jay Gruden, I know, likes to run the ball, but when it really gets down to it, Kirk Cousins can make things happen. And today, But Thompson he, as well, Chris Thompson, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's not a great runner, but he, over 100 yards receiving, that's what he really mm -hmm. does best. Mm -hmm. Well, if they can find ways to attack you, now they do have some good targets on the perimeter, big guys in, in Terrell Pryor and Josh Doxson. And those guys demand attention and that, and that opens up the middle of the field. If Jordan Reed was playing, you would probably see a lot less Chris Thompson because those middle of the field passes are much easier for any quarterback, but especially Kirk Cousins. He's not known to go through his, his entire progression really well. So he tends to go to the check down a little bit more than maybe some other quarterbacks, but it works when you have a guy like Chris Thompson in the middle of the field or Jamison Crowder, who's been really quiet this season and Jordan Reed. And when Jordan Reed is out, of course, that's Vernon Davis. But also in this game, we saw on the San Francisco side of the ball, we saw Brian Hoyer getting benched. And rookie C.J. Beathard came in. He didn't look that bad. <laughs> so if you are looking for a quarterback replacement for an Aaron Rodgers, or maybe if you want to make sure that you've got Jameis Winston well backed up or you're in a two-quarterback league, C.J. Beathard is somebody that is worth consideration. He was 19 for 36, 245 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Not too bad for a rookie coming in. He almost got them back a to a victory. He did. He did. And he looked pretty good doing it. So, of course, this is a very small sample size from a rookie, but they made a change at quarterback in the first quarter of that game. And by the way Beathard played, I don't think Brian Hoyer gets back into the starting job there. One last thing I want to ask you, and uh, I want to make sure that everybody out there gets really tuned into the Kansas City Chiefs as far as their situation is concerned. Their season was great. Their season was going long, just humming along. Everything mm -hmm. was great, but they hit a buzzsaw today. And everyone involved as far as from the offense to the defense really didn't perform today. I want to ask you, in your opinion, is this just a blip on the radar or is there something that is now of concern to you that you may see as a trend going forward as a team that could start a downhill path very no. soon? No, I think I think they're fine. Pittsburgh for as is as bad as they've been lately. You almost knew they had to come back. I mean, it's Pittsburgh. They're a good team. That's a good organization. They have excellent players. And this was the game that they bounced back. Pittsburgh went on the road into Kansas City and beat them and looked pretty good doing it. Now, some things that I noticed at Kansas City, they weren't running the ball. And if you have a guy like Kareem Hunt, you need to get him a lot of touches. He had nine carries today. Nine carries for 21 yards. So I think what they did is they got away from what they've done best. And it's not like Pittsburgh is so great against the run. 
they're not that great against the run. So I think, unfortunately, Kansas City just found themselves in a situation where they were getting away from what they do. Now they are dealing with uh, Chris Conley's injury. He couldn't play. And then Albert Wilson, the guy behind him, couldn't play. So you're looking at the number three re- – or actually the number four receiver on, the, on that team was starting. Tyreek Hill got banked up and had to leave this game for a little while. So I think that this was just – this was just a bad game for a good team. This is their first loss this year. Certainly not anything to get too concerned about, but I think what you're going to see is you're going to see Kansas City come together, regroup, figure out that they need to run the ball, do what they do well, misdirections, run the ball well. If they get back to that formula, I think they'll be just fine. That is awesome insight indeed. And he is really the only man that can do it. Well, actually, he's you know, there's lots of other people who can do it, but no one does it better than Tyler Baker of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. I am getting a check in the mail, by the way. Uh, no, <laughs> a big I'm one. Just kidding. I'm, just one. kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. You got to check it out. Every Tuesday and Saturday, new episodes hit on Apple Podcasts. Also, as well, Libsyn. Overcast, Player.fm. He also mentioned SoundCloud. What else? Stitcher. Stitcher Stitcher as well. Just a great lineup of of places where you can get the latest as far as fantasy football information and advice. And if you have even more of a need to go with your, your lineup changes or whatever help you need with your team, check out the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group and also as well, Check out his great articles on ffpater.com. Tyler, my friend, it's always great to talk to you. I look forward to week seven in the NFL. We're starting to get a little serious here, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. We're starting to I you just you just have to roll with the punches. You have to roll with the punches. My Tuesday podcast is going to be important to listen to because I'm going to get a little bit more in depth on how to deal with some of these injuries. And then you mentioned the Facebook group. I think that's the best tool that I have to really help people better manage their team. It's kind of hard to do a podcast and speak to everyone. You just can't do it. So that's why I really appreciate when people come to the Facebook group. That's the best way to get personalized advice for your team. And I also want to stress to everybody out there that there is still time, even if you are sub 500 team right now, to make those changes, to make those little additions and subtractions, and also as well, maybe possibly even trades that you can work out that will help your team get you over the hump and get you back into that playoff race because there is still time. There Both is still time. myself yep. and I'm sure Tyler as well have had those situations where you're two and three, two and four, three, uh, let's say three and four in that range. And you're, you know, you think you're just about ready to throw in the towel, but all it takes is a couple tweaks, correct? And That's your season it. can be totally turned around. Every single year in every single league, there are a couple of teams that get into the playoffs barely over 500. It always happens. There's always that middle, those middle teams fighting for those playoff spots. It's not too late. It's really not too late. And if you can just gain every single little advantage you can every single week, it could pay off. And what happens that sometimes is that those teams have such momentum going in 
they have sometimes even a greater advantage over teams that have those stellar records. I've seen performances with sure. 500 teams or, or just a little bit above beat handily these teams that are 10 and 0, 11 and 1, 12 and 2, whatever. And they're beating those teams in the playoffs because different factors, maybe not paying attention, because those teams that made those changes and made the effort and mm-hmm. got the advice that they needed, it paid off and paid off yeah. in the long run. And yeah. if, if you want to get the advice to help your fantasy football team, you got to go check out the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast group on Facebook, and of course, ffpater.com, all run by this man right there, <laughs> Tyler Baker. Thank Tyler you so is always much. my friend. I love coming on your show. I love listening to the show. Really, really enjoy being a part of, of what you guys are doing. Well, you're you're certainly part of the team now. And I tell you what, it's yeah, you know, sorry, you just gotta gotta I'm you're in. stuck with us. So <laughs> like like you peanut butter on, on bread. You I, just you're stuck. I'm t- sorry. It. <laughs> or like or you want to get some the roof of your mouth, you're just like ah I got, it's it's not time soon. You're stuck with us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We truly appreciate it and and as always, my friend. Thank you so much for being part of the scene here at Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. And I look forward to talking to you on our Friday show about week seven in the NFL. Looking forward to it. Take care, my friend. You too. All right. Always great to hear from you. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Hi, this is Siri. I would never, never, ever listen to the Earth Station One podcast. Who the heck says howdy anyway? Why don't you listen to Chris Hardwick instead? I can get you his information. The Nerdist is everywhere anyway, haha. That was a joke. The Earth Station One podcast. It's time to let your inner geek out to play. You can find them at www.earthstation1.com or up on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Peace, and we're done. Next up in the final topic for conversation on the pop culture cosmos is that was almost done with some heart there it was almost done with some heart uh, a little bit is apple's potential streaming service or distribution platform for their television production that they're dipping their toes in it's rumored to be called apple video since apple tv is the hardware box that they have and they never like to confuse things so apple video much like apple music is set to come out they only have two series out right now, and they are both tied to Apple Music, interestingly enough, because they have nowhere else to put them. But Apple is looking at making a lot more production calls and getting into television production and scripted and unscripted series, much like we saw Amazon do and Netflix. We talk about this almost week after week, it seems, as there's new announcements with new streaming services and what they're going to offer Apple still hasn't announced that Apple Video is going to be the name of it, what it's going to like, how much it's going to cost, how you're going to get it. It seems like they're really doing this weird dance of hiding the buck on how everybody's going to get these shows that the biggest distributor in the world of content is, is going to share. And I get that traditionally Apple waits for these big press conferences and stuff, but that kind of holds up for tech gadgets. But I don't think that holds the same and holds true for when it comes to entertainment. Like you've almost got to let this stuff come out and start building it up. So what does Apple have to do to see that their streaming service can compete with stuff like Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and CBS and Disney and 
is it just a matter of getting enough shows that are good enough? Does their distribution model have to be better? Does the pricing have to be better? Will they go premium like everything else that Apple is? It's just more expensive. Or are they going to undercut and just like destroy everybody? I mean, Apple has enough cash to buy Netflix, to possibly buy Disney if either of those companies wanted to sell. But they've bought a lot of executives from other TV places. And that usually signifies that they won't be acquiring another company like they did with Beats for Apple Music, for example. So I don't know what the future of Apple Video is and what they got to do. But what do you think that Apple Video, we'll call it, has to do to kind of get traction in this new streaming service field and the direction of original content under the Apple banner? Well, I would like them to be on Android devices, but I know that's barking up the wrong tree. So I'll start with... (laughs) coming from a person who likes Android devices. But but once you listen to Apple Podcasts, especially Pop Culture Cosmos. But anyways, I would personally like to see them undercut it first because to get their name out there as far as being a competitor in the space of streaming services. And like you said, it's all about the shows. Why do people like Netflix? Because they like the shows like Stranger Things and also as well House of Cards. And you know, they go the list goes on and on. Why do people like Hulu? Because they follow the shows that are there. And then also as well, they you know, why does CBS All Access been getting some pub in the past couple of weeks? That's because of Star Trek Discovery. Unless you have the content to support with it, it's not going to fly very well. I mean, Amazon Prime does well as far as with a lot of stuff that they're doing. But then they're, they're shot with an Amazon TV service. Hasn't really worked out well as well because they really don't have... Uh, out of the 100 plus channels that they say they offer, a lot of them are just afterthoughts as far as really stuff that people don't really want to see on the large part. So to me, it's all about content and also being able to, at least with Apple, they have the money, like you said, and they have the power to go ahead and undercut everyone else, at least early on. Because I think CBS's all access issue is that their price is a little bit steep. $5.99 $5.99 a month, I think, for commercials, $9.99 without. So it might be, uh, you know, a little bit steep for those who just want to see the Discovery series. There, uh, It all depends on if people want to watch all their reruns from all the other shows. And I think that's what it comes down to with CBS. With Apple, they're starting this from scratch. So they're going to have to acquire or build from scratch a lot of these shows that, that will attract an audience. At least they're going to have the money to do so, but they also have the money to go ahead and at least initially make a name for themselves by introducing it at a lower price. Is one show enough? I mean, that used to be what networks relied on. Uh, AMC had Dexter and HBO had Sopranos. I mean, they had other shows, of course, but like they usually only need that one flagship show. Right now it's Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones is going away just as Westworld is starting to get popular again uh, or popular to kind of take take that mantle over. You know, Netflix kind of really started out with House of Cards as their big winner. Now that has died down a little bit and we've seen a few other big hits like Orange is the New Black and Stranger Things, of course. You know, is, is Star Trek Discovery enough for a CBS to, to make a name off, off of it? Does well, Apple? We're, we're gonna have to. Need we're gonna find out one. pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess we'll see. Um, can but I guess you know back to Apple. How long is it gonna take for them to find that one must-watch show? 
Well, you and I talked about it. If it's James Bond that ultimately becomes their prize, that could be a win in the right direction for them as far as being able to have that series and then possibly even getting a, a exclusive video series of its own. So, But you need the support. Okay, they have this one show, whatever it is, what else do you have behind it? Because people, once they're finished with streaming that one show or binging on it, exactly what else is there? Uh, at least CBS has the fact that you have access to thousands of shows. At least WWE, when you're watching it, uh, whatever pay-per-view you're watching it for, at least you you can continue watching because it has thousands of hours of programming. You know, with some of these other shows and these other streaming services, they really that really don't have anything behind it. Once you get uh, once you look behind the veil and see what's there be outside of what they're trying to promote. It's really the, the cover's bare. So if you don't have a lot supporting it, people are just going to eventually get off of it anyway. So when Apple does this and wants to go ahead and and present this to the public out there in, in unison, at least it, they have to have something that, that supports it as a foundation outside of just that one tentpole franchise that they want to circle around. Here, here's my prediction. I'm, I guess my rule of thumb for all these streaming services you need to think of it like hockey. Now, all our American listeners may or may not be into hockey. It's not the most favorite sport in America, but it is here up in Canada. You've got to think of it as you need essentially kind of like nine shows. Okay, Nine is the number I'm throwing out there. you got to have three forward lines, essentially. you got to have your right wing, your center, and your left wing. And you got to have each of these lines roll every four months so that you always have three shows that are concurrently kind of piggybacking so that you can keep people on your platform watching one thing to the next to the next every week that's three hours of tv that you can keep people watching there and over four months that's about 12 to 16 episodes depending on how you stagger them the next the next line can come in for the next four months after that and then four months after that and then as you basically keep rolling these out you start filling it with support material you start trying to see what other shows there are. So I think Apple has to come out swinging really hard. I don't think a James Bond series on its own is enough. I think they got to get some other massive production names and IP and really just cement who they are right away. Don't take chances. Hit a home run. You've got the power if you want to sign the players. Do it and make it show the industry how quickly you can be relevant and not you know stumble with uh, training wheels. That's what I'm saying for Apple. Yeah, and that's like I said, that's that's a great idea as far as having that support. They have the money. It all depends if they want to commit to it. And if they do, they got to commit to it full board. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www dot popculturecosmos.wordpress.com We want to thank Tyler Baker and director Rob Callum for joining us. Check out all of Rob's upcoming projects today at robmccallumfilms.com And the great games, Dash Quest, and Tiny Rails from the game developer he's with, Tiny Titan Studios. They're free to play on mobile, and Tiny Rails is just $9.99 on Steam for the PC. Any questions on what we've talked about on today's program, send us a message 
to popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or through Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, or Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Josh Peterson has a great episode of Attack of the Humanicans coming up on Tuesday, and we'll be back for another episode of the PCC Multiverse Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Podcast Radio Network. So for Rob McCallum and Tyler Baker, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We want to thank everyone for joining us. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos Game Source and also Inside Sports. This is a special treat for not only Pop Culture Cosmos on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel, but also Inside Sports as it is our annual NBA prediction show. Once again, Gerald Glassford here from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Truly appreciate you joining us. And who better to get into the NBA season as far as predictions, who's you know going to do what, um, who's eventually going to become uh, out on top and all that. But our NBA man in the know, he is our expert when it comes to the round ball and the association. It's Anthony Barber. And Anthony, it's just truly, again, a pleasure to be talking to you about all the great stuff that's going on in the NBA. Thank you, man. I think I appreciate you having me on as always. Uh, look forward to you know, a quick conversation about what, what we can expect from some of these teams this year and how much fun the NBA is going to be. Well, I, I think we'll be able to, to cover a lot of bases. Uh, I'm going to devote a, uh, you know, a good chunk of time to it. So let's get into it right now. First off, I want to go to the East, Eastern Conference, uh, which is perceived by most experts, including yourself and, and, and uh, whatever uh, little I know. Okay, I know a little bit more about the NBA, but I trying to keep it on the lowdown. Um, but I want to talk about the Eastern Conference first because they are perceived as the weaker conference, and uh, to a lot of people, it's not even close. But when it comes right. to the Eastern Conference, I want to start off at the top. Who are the three teams that you think, or are three or four, three or four teams that you think will contend for the Eastern Conference uh, best say that at the top of the food chain in the Eastern Conference. Um, well, the number one team is Cleveland. They have LeBron. They have the best player on the planet. Um, last three years, uh, regardless of where they finish, one maybe three, um, they are the favorites in the Eastern Conference to 
represent that conference in the NBA championship. Uh, I don't see anybody knocking them off. I don't think they'll finish with the best record, but I do think they will be the team in the championship. Similar what happened last year, correct? Right. Um, as far as the number one record, I, I actually think uh, Washington with the number one overall seed. I just think they are they are two games out of the top seed last year, um, and they have the continuity together to be able to uh, put together enough wins to get that top seed. That's a, a good point because I'll tell you what, when it comes to Washington, like you said, the cohesiveness because they've been together as a collective starting unit for two, three years now, as opposed to Cleveland and Boston, which are always changing in flux. And even if Cleveland and Boston might be better at the tail end of the season, that might be enough to at least get the Washington Wizards their chance at the top. So uh, for at least for as far as to get that first seed. But I, I, I agree with you as far as Cleveland's concerned. I think uh, there'll be enough resting of LeBron over the course of the year, maybe to shave off about five to ten wins. So they'll be coming in as a second and third seed, but they don't. That doesn't really bother them because when it comes to the actual playoffs, it looks like Cleveland, if Isaiah Thomas is healthy, when he, you know, hopefully he can come back around the latter part of the season. If he is healthy with that hip and productive, almost as productive as he was in Boston, that could be a great sign for Cleveland to come out on top in the in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, postseason, it's all about second half of the season, um, going in with momentum, going in, you know, basically clicking on all cylinders, um, getting everybody comfortable with each other. Um, I think they'll tinker with that lineup throughout the course of the season to see um, what's the right fit, who goes with who, how to get the floor spread. Um, so I think it'll take them a little time to hit their stride. Um, Boston, I'm not sold on defensively. I think um, a lot of their heart and what they wanted to do, um, how scrappy they were, a lot of those pieces away to get what they believe they needed to get over the hump. Um, so I think they will lose some of those closer games um, that their defense at the and Jay Crowder helped them to win. Toronto was pretty close as well. I mean, the top four seeds were really close to each other on Easter Conference last year. Um, I just don't know if they'll be healthy enough with what um, Kyle Lowry went through last year, um, if he's going to be able to play enough games for them to um, to get that number one seed. However, I do think Jay Miles' addition and uh, Damari Carroll wasn't really a good fit there. I think that will help them as a unit. But I think Washington in the Eastern Conference will probably end up with the number one seed. But I still expect um, sorry, Cleveland to uh, come out of the East. Uh, I, I agree with you on that. I don't think Toronto is as strong this year. And obviously they have histories of injuries with Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, uh, where they cannot be trusted to be going through a full season and, and seeing them on top uh, would be, uh, for me, a stretch indeed. Now, there's also, uh, when it comes to the top eight seats, there's also the you know, fifth through eighth, and, and there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be contending for those bottom spots in the Eastern Conference. I have uh, Milwaukee as one of my 
teams that could surprise. They've got some some depth, and they also have some young, very talented, also as well, very athletic, and also very long defensively. And I think they could surprise a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference. But who are some of the other teams that you think that can grab those lower-end spots in the Eastern Conference? I was looking at that this morning, actually throughout the week. I, I see Milwaukee, uh, like you said, making it. Charlotte has a good opportunity to make it. Thing, I think Miami will make it. I think those will be the other three teams. But anywhere, anybody from Detroit, I mean, to Philadelphia, if they're healthy, I, I don't think Brooklyn will make it. I don't think the Knicks will make it. Um, I think I don't think the Bulls will make it. But, you know, Indiana has some some young talent. They only won 42, 42 games last year, but, you know, anything can happen. I think the top seven will be, you know, the original top four with Milwaukee, Miami, and Charlotte, in my opinion, a major toss-up. Uh, and, and there's going to be a lot of teams heading for those bottom spots. Philadelphia could surprise, but it, like you said, it all depends on their health because they, they, they have – Probably as much talent as probably almost anyone in the Eastern Conference, but the problem is their their talent's still young and their talent has never proven to be healthy as of yet. But if Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Markel Fultz, they combine to be a very healthy uh, triumvirate, they can also be, become a very strong one. And I see a progression similar to what Minnesota has done in the Western Conference. I see them in probably... Not this season making the playoffs. They probably will just miss, but you know, because they'll they'll probably be getting everything in tune by that time. But I see a year from now them becoming a, a very very strong force in the Eastern Conference. You also have, like you said, Miami. A lot of signings which left me scratching my head as far as free agents are concerned. But they ended the season very strong, and I see them doing enough to maybe sneak in. Charlotte, you talked about, had a, uh, a down year last year, but they've got a talent base that, that looks like it can defensively and rebounding can really, really put up some numbers. Uh, there's some there's some decent teams overall in the Eastern Conference. Indiana, getting rid of Paul George uh, that uh, because he wanted to go. Right. It makes it harder for them. They've got some nice young talent that you said, but I, I don't think see it happening can coming to fruition just yet uh chicago chicago is going to be uh, a tough season i think for people in in the windy city that uh are, are loving the bulls and they're gonna have to you know reflect back on their jordan era because it, it's just not going to be a great year this year in, in the windy city so but there's there's some good teams out there in the eastern conference and definitely both you and i are are in agreement, I think, on Chicago. And Washington actually taking the top seed overall this regular season doesn't sound like a stretch indeed, seeing how they're so cohesive. But again, with them, it all uh, goes on health because they're not a very deep team again this year. So, But if it does go right, I definitely see a strong outing from them. With that said, we've, we've covered the Eastern Conference. Uh, there's a lot of great action going on there, and we'll, we'll do so throughout the season. But also as well, we're going to cover the Western Conference. And I know you and I both know, again, this sounds like a broken record from last year when we covered at this point in time. But uh, looks like it is 
Golden State and the rest of the field. But I'll let you talk a little bit more about your thoughts on, on what's going on with the – let's go for the top seeds in the Western Conference. Um, you said there's Golden State and then there's everybody else. I think Golden State will win 66 games. Um, they'll they'll be the number one seed overall, both conferences. Um, they're the favorite to make it out of the Western Conference. Uh, I think their their position at the top is pretty much solidified, um, barring any injury. I mean, they've been very fortunate, probably the most fortunate team as far as injuries in the league the last few years. So if that continues, you I mean, you can expect what you've seen. I think the other three of the top four teams will be San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Houston. I think those are seeds in the Western Conference. And I ask you this because your four is similar to what my four top four would be, and probably everyone else's. But you know, second through fourth, it seems to be a little bit of a mixed bag as far as what everybody is thinking as far as who slots in where, second to third to fourth. I have right now, and I'm think probably going back for uh, you know this week, and I'll probably go over the next few days before I start writing up any NBA predictions. But I have right now, I'm going to say Houston uh, as the second seed, but Oklahoma City to me is not that far behind. Obviously, the new additions in Houston of Chris Paul, and also with Oklahoma City, it's it's Paul George and Carmelo Anthony make things different in the Western Conference. But don't forget about San Antonio because San Antonio, with if Kawhi Leonard gets back healthy, uh, they could prove to be back to their winning 55-plus games as normal. So I want to hear your thoughts on how those second, third, and fourth seeds line up this NBA season. For me, with uh, San Antonio, it, it all depends on the health of Kawhi Leonard. I think they get the second seed. Last year they won, I believe, 61 games. It's just, you know, it's that Greg Popovich magic. He knows exactly what to do. He knows how to get his team to be professional every night, come out and play. If they don't, he blasts them. Um, he doesn't sugarcoat. So I, I think San Antonio, the number two seed, barring you know, injuries. Uh, Houston, I think Houston, they won 55 games, if I'm not mistaken, last year. I don't see them winning a whole lot more. I know Chris Paul's the addition and – you know, that, you know, tends to make people think, oh, it's an automatic jump of, you know, 10 wins or so. But I I, I think they'll win um, probably three to four or more games. So, you know, uh, I can see them winning 58. I think his impact is more so for the postseason than the regular season. I think the way they play is conducive to winning games, period. Oklahoma City, on the other hand, I think, you know, they got two major new pieces. And I think that Westbrook – as as dominant as he is, when they hit the second half of the season, you can see them going on those runs where, you know, they run off 13, 14, 15 in a row. I think they have that kind of talent, so take time for them to mesh. So those are my, my four. I think Golden State, San Antonio, probably Houston third, and Oklahoma City fourth in the top four seeds. Those are some excellent choices right there. And I agree, there will be a learning curve in place for the triumvirate of Mello, PG-13, and also Russell Westbrook, those three getting together. But by the end of the season, they could be a very formidable force and prove to be uh, somewhat uh, very 
a difficult out when it comes to later on in the playoffs, but we'll talk about that in here in a second. The West is stacked with a lot of great teams, and I wanted to talk to you with about the last four teams because there are a lot of teams and a lot of very good teams, which you and I, if you were talking about them in the Eastern Conference, would be much higher, but there are a lot of teams fighting for those last four spots in the Western Conference. Who do you think will actually be there at the end in the in the Western Conference when it comes to slots five, six, seven, and eight? Um, pretty much, it'll it'll shake out the way it did last year. I think there'll be a two team switch. However, I think uh, Minnesota's in. I think Minnesota, bring any injuries, should win fifty games. Um, with the additions that they made, with the talent that they have, um, I think they'll make a push for probably the, f- the fifth seed. Um, they're they're going to be right there. I think that can make it. I, I want to see um, the you know the Gallinari movement, how that affects them. But that they had last year, they won 40 games. Uh, they went on, on, on a roll um, at some point, you know, mid to end of the season. I think uh, with with the off season, um, I think they'll be in in a good position to make it. I think Portland, Portland is in. I think the final team to be in. Who did I put in? Who am I taking out? Um, so Denver and Minnesota are the two teams that I think will make the jump. Um, I think Memphis will fall out. No, some people still have high hopes on Utah. Know if they're gonna get through the the Gordon Hayward move, um, so I think I think they'll fall out. But I think the rest of the Western Conference, you know, will pretty much shake out the way it has. But uh, that last game. team, you still haven't chosen that last team that might. I still make haven't chosen. <laughs> okay, because um, that so just tells I everybody have, out there how difficult this is it, as far as finding. Really is. Yeah, you know, it looks like about seven or eight teams uh, that can probably squeeze into those last four spots but there is that final team so i'd like to hear you know what do you think might be that last team because i have some thoughts myself okay so i have golden state san antonio houston oklahoma city los angeles and my final team i'm probably gonna say i think dallas see i know new orleans you know, they have the two big guns, but to me, they just haven't rest of their roster. Got on a good run, but they started out so poorly that um, they just couldn't make up the ground. I think if without those injuries early in the season, I think they'll be able to squeak out, you know, 40, 42, 43 wins in you know, that AFC. Uh, those are some great, great thoughts indeed. Well, for me, I will tell you, like I said, I've, I've got similar to what you have when it comes to the top four seeds in Golden State, Houston, San Antonio, and also Oklahoma City. My bottom four, which are going to be no slouches, and like I said, if we were talking to them in the Eastern Conference, they would be taught right, at their, right there at the top. I will be going with Portland. I will be going with Minnesota. Those two teams, I think, are poised to do good things as far as Nurkic going over to Portland was a great thing for them. Plus, they've got that great backcourt of McCollum, I'm sorry, and also Lillard. So that you know, that those three, if they could really mesh, I think there's going to be great things. 
also as well minnesota like you said with carl anthony towns anthony wiggins and also their newest arrival jimmy butler those those three can uh, really make things happen in minnesota so you've got two teams right there but the last two slots are really going to be up for grabs and i'm going to go right now I'm thinking right now, Denver, I think, will make the playoffs this year. Paul Millsap, his addition will bring a defensive-minded toughness that will put them not near the top, but at least get them enough in the right direction so that they, because they still have a prolific offense, and I think they're still going to be able to score points whenever they want to. Being able to stop teams is the question, and I think they'll have just enough defensive toughness to go around with Paul Millsap, and I think that definitely will help them there to slide into that seven seed. The number eight seed, that is the toughest and up for grabs thing. I tell you what, that is crazy indeed. You've got the Utah, the Clippers, New Orleans, like you said, with Dallas, uh, Memphis. You've got all these teams vying for that last spot, which are all right around each other, talent, quality, and whatnot. I think right now I'm going to go on the on the fence, and I'm going to probably say Utah. I think the Clippers just narrowly miss it because I, I'm not convinced Blake Griffin can be healthy an entire season as of yet. And if he is not healthy, they don't have a Chris Paul to, to rely on, and I think that that's the issue I have there. But I think Utah will be very, very def, uh, solid defensively. They might not have uh, uh, they might have issues scoring points. But I think they'll be, if they're going to keep a lot of games in the 80s and 90s, they're going to be very, very tough for people to have great games against. So I think they will be able to sneak into that last spot. But, you know, it's going to be a toss-up between, like I said, Dallas, New Orleans, if they can find something besides the Twin Towers that are there, if somebody can shoot outside besides the Twin Towers that are there, that'd be great. Uh, also, as well, you've got... Uh, uh, really solid teams as well with, uh, like I said, Utah and the Clippers and Memphis. You cannot sleep on them. They they might find a way to sneak in once again and uh, defy the odds again this year. But great things going abound. Uh, as far as teams like Phoenix, uh, the Lakers, uh, my Lakers, I, th- I see them you know, getting a few more games, but they're still a work in progress and, and there's still a long ways to go there. Phoenix, I, I like as a team on the rise as far as to at least get into a point where they look like a more competitive team. The Sacramento Kings, uh, I know that that's, that's going to be another work in progress as well as far as trying to get that team to to listen to as far as to their coach and, and become a better unit now that they've got some veteran influences there. But those are some great teams and great picks indeed. But it comes right down to the playoffs Anthony, I want to hear your thoughts. When it comes down to the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, who are the four teams that are going to survive as far as the two teams in the Eastern Conference and the two teams in the West, and who comes out in each? Well, let's start with the Eastern Conference. Again, Cleveland will be there. Um, I just think they're built for it. They have the best player in the world. They have, you know, championship experience now. Uh, Most of the guys on that team have won. You got Dwayne Wade. I think they're poised and, and they're built to, you know, compete for this championship at least one more year. I think it'll it'll it could shake out to where they fall in in their um because I don't think they're just the cakewalk to conference finals that I know everybody, you know, they went to the finals last year and they're going, okay, well they added Kyrie, 
Um, now it's time for them to just, you know, they'll probably lose to Cleveland. But I, I think between them and the Wizards, and, and I'm going to venture to say, um, I don't know, it's a little bit of a hot take, I guess. <laughs> I think I think Washington beats them. That's I just think, yeah. I, I that's think that's what I was gonna say. So that's excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I think Washington beats. I think Washington beats them if they if they have to play them. Um, if they have to play Toronto, then I think you know they then, then uh, Boston will make it. But if they have to play Washington, then I think Washington will beat them and they'll meet uh, Cleveland in the conference finals and, and lose to Cleveland. The Western in the Western Conference, uh, you know, there's Golden State. Uh, there is somebody else, uh, but but the thing about it is, like I said earlier, uh, they've been the most fortunate team over the last three to four seasons when it comes to injury. They haven't had anything happen um, in the Western Conference. I think has loaded up pretty much for that possibility. I mean, you go into a series with them, and and one injury can change that whole series because they've loaded up. You know, when you talk about San Antonio, Oklahoma City, uh, Houston, to be one mishap away from being able to come out of that series, though that the two teams, I, I for for me, there are two teams that that I feel like can compete against Golden State, um, and that's San Antonio and and Oklahoma City. Um, I think they have the 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 individual talent to be able to compete with them enough. But I think in the end, um, Golden State will, will in the NBA Finals. That's uh, some excellent predictions indeed, and almost a mirror to what I'm about to say in regards to the playoffs are concerned. Uh, when it comes to the Eastern Conference, it is going to be Cleveland. But like you said, it's all about positioning. So if Let's say, for instance, they end up number four and Washington's number four. I think they'll just be Washington then. But I think that is going to be the toughest test for them is the Washington Wizards team out there as far as uh, I think Boston. Um, I do like getting I do like the Kyrie Irving trade. Let's get that off the bat. But uh, I don't think their team is, is set for uh, the long haul like it was last season. I think it's going to take one more year of the young forwards, Tatum, and also as well Brown to really get into things as far as becoming a major force for the Celtics. I see them next year being an even more uh, solidifying force. And I, I really think that uh, this year, even if Boston gets to the Eastern Conference Finals, if, by like I said, positioning, I still think Cleveland has advantage uh, over anyone in that area. And when it comes to the Western Conference, like you said, it, it all depends on the, on the positioning one through four. But at this point in time, I'm going to say it is Golden State over Houston. But, you know, San Antonio or Oklahoma City, however, whoever is number two seed in that area, I definitely will have the advantage as far as up until they get to Golden State. And then, like you said, with health, if their health is good, there should be no stopping Golden State in the Western Conference. So that leaves us both almost like, well, exactly like we were <laughs> last year and the year before that. And the year before that, with Golden State and Cleveland in the finals, almost like a broken record. But hey, props to those two franchises for doing the right things. Your thoughts on who eventually comes out on top this year in the NBA Finals, your predictions of Golden State versus Cleveland in the finals once again. 
take Cleveland in the finals. Golden State will have home court advantage. I think now we're 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 speaking both teams completely healthy. Both teams, you know, nobody nobody's down. Everybody's there. I think that Golden State will pull it out. I think they'll win their third and four in four years. A lot closer than last year. I, I honestly think last year wasn't as wide of a gap as it was perceived. Um, but I, I think this year it'll be Golden State in six or seven. That's a, that's a great prediction indeed. I actually think a little bit on the opposite side, even if Isaiah Thomas is healthy, because I think defensively they are much worse off without, and I can't believe I'm saying this, without with Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving is one of the worst defensive guards there. But Isaiah Thomas is even worse than he is. So, uh, and, and then you got Dwayne Wade, who is no longer speedy Dwayne Wade anymore. Derek Rose, he and Dwayne Wade, if they're not playing at a top level come the playoffs uh, and in the finals, that's going to be an issue because they can't hit threes. So they may see very limited time as well. And it, it will take a, a lot as far as the other players from Corver and, and you're relying a lot on players who have not been able to to get it done in the NBA Finals so far. So for me, I think it will be a, a little bit easier ride for Golden State if they're healthy, because I think Golden State is even deeper this year with Nick Young and Omar McCaspri taking those slots. So at this point in time, I, if, barring health and any issues of that nature, I think Golden State may even do it in a sweep. So... I think, uh, like I said, LeBron is, is a great player. He's the best player on the planet still at this point in time. But uh, it's just going to be very hard for them to match up when Isaiah Thomas is on the floor with them. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of issues there. And also as well, you've got not enough shooting from the backcourt that will help uh, unless J.R. Smith gets a lot of burn and he is going to be out there playing a lot majority of the minutes because again and then it goes back to the situation where they still can't guard Steph they may will be able to slow down Kevin Durant a little bit but then you've got the issue of Curry and Thompson could really blow up against that backcourt of Cleveland so I see Golden State coming out on top again like you said for the third time in four years so any last thoughts on the NBA seasons Uh, anything that you're interested in looking at and and anything you want everybody to uh, take a look at when uh, you know the season comes around? Two things. One on on what you said about Cleveland. I, I think I kind of agree with you, but my thoughts is that to his senses and put J.R. Smith in the starting lineup so that they have some shooting on the perimeter um, at least until Isaiah comes back. Um, right now, with Wade on the floor, I think the floor is shrunk which is really going to cause some problems. And that's why I'm saying, that's why I'm saying I think it'll be easier for Golden State. If they throw that lineup out there against Golden State, they're really going to get hurt. I I agree. I hope is that he'll come to his senses and realize that if you can, you can throw Wade with Rose and court, you know, those guys in your second unit is much stronger. I think they should kind of keep the first unit intact of what they had last year. Um, I know they're going with, which is fine. I just think that uh, you can't not have the shooting on the floor 
uh, with Wade. I think you should let him be the leader of the second group. Let him command that group. Um, so one that you can keep LeBron off the floor some, uh, give him give him less minutes. Let him be more well rested. Um, I, so I, I agree with you and I disagree. I think if Tyron Luke can realize that, you know, you know, bring your guys off the bench, then I think it gets better. But if he tries to throw that, you know, line up out there, yeah, then I, I think it'll be trouble. I, and, and I, I agree with you. If he does that, if he, if he realizes that because it creates more shooting. And remember, Cleveland, when they won in the finals, they were uh, the most prolific offensive team in history when they did that as far as in the NBA Finals are concerned for the game that they won. They cannot play defense strong enough to beat the Golden State Warriors. They have to beat them at their O game, and it starts with a whole lot of great shooting. And if, like you said, he makes the arrangements and puts those egos aside because I think that's what it comes right down to. It's about all about egos with, with Rose and also as well Wade, you know, making sure that they're taken care of and placated. But if they come off the bench like they should, then maybe that makes it a much more competitive series. We'll have to wait and see. But I definitely still think whatever lineups they throw out there, that Golden State over a seven-game series can consistently uh, prove out to be on top because you're asking a lot from a lot of those players to to produce like they never did before. They were able to do it in one game last year. Could they do it in more? We'll have to wait and see. But definitely a with you and I both thinking that it's it's going to be a, a another great finals indeed uh, with Golden State coming out on top. But Anthony, just great to have you on again. You are man in the know. It's Anthony Barberin. We're, we're just so glad to, to be able to talk the NBA season predictions. And I'll tell you what, we're going to get together again uh, over you know a few times over the course, hopefully the rest of the season talk about their thoughts as far as on the way through and and hopefully we can get more of your keen insight on the nba as the season goes forward thanks for having me i always love coming on i'm up for it anytime you're ready sounds good my friend and i wish you best of luck with your clippers and i i know that they're going to be a little bit ahead of the game when it comes to uh you know where my lakers will stand but it's all about health if blake griffin stays healthy their outlook looks a lot better, but you and I know it's all about Mr. BG as far as staying healthy there. So um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think it'll be tough being healthy if they if they can be healthy. If he can play 70, 72 games, if you can get that from Gallinari, then I think they'll they'll be right there. I think they have one of the tougher schedules as far as road. Uh, they have like three or four games on the road consecutively that that are tough i mean like three game road trips but health is is like you said is, is their main concern uh definitely if that's the case uh, the clippers will be looking good indeed if they're healthy lakers they're they're hopefully a team on the rise but they're looking forward to free agency of next year let's let's just put it right out right. there but, um <laughs> uh, yeah let's yeah i'm hoping ball and kuzma will provide that lift as far as uh you know rookies are concerned but We'll talk about that on a future episode as Anthony Barberin, our man in the know when it comes to NBA, rejoins us right here on Pop Culture Cosmos and Inside Sports. Once again, if, you, if you're catching us on Inside Sports, we truly appreciate you doing so. Catch the Pop Culture Cosmos show every 
Monday and Friday when it drops on Apple Podcasts and so many other outlets. And also as well, if you're watching this on Pop Culture Cosmos, we truly thank you as well. And also catch us on the Inside Sports Show every Wednesday from our good friends at Humanic Media. Anthony Barbarin, our man in the know, it's just truly great to have you on again and being part of Pop Culture Cosmos and Inside Sports. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Good luck to your Lakers this year. They need it. <laughs> but, you know, it'll be a fun season. I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping for good games, for everything that the NBA brings. Uh, as am I, my friend, as am I, and we'll be able to talk about it over the NBA season. Truly a pleasure having you on. Once again, Anthony Barbarin, our man in the know when it comes to the NBA, right here at Pop Culture Cosmos and Inside Sports. Inside Sports.